In this episode of The Interface, I speak with Cyril LeBlanc, project leader for Amphenol Antenna Solutions in France. Cyril has been with Amphenol for seven years after coming here right out of college. We talk about being a university exchange student for a year at Rochester Institute of Technology in upstate New York. We talk about finding RF and antenna technology during his time in university. We talk about the good fortune of finding antenna solutions so close to his home in France. And we talk about his growth in the R&D leadership role. And we may talk a little bit about Rochester's famous garbage plates. This is The Interface. Cyril, it's good to talk to you. We haven't really met before, uh, but you came recommended as a a fresh, fairly new face on the RF front, especially in the Antenna Solutions group. And you were based out of France, and you came to um, AAS, I think, right out of college, right? And you did an internship in the U.S.? Uh, that's... Almost right, yeah. Almost right. Um, it's close. It's close. <laughs> Actually, I went. I went to the U.S. during my last year of uh, engineering okay. school. Yeah. But I actually went to a, an American university. Just instead of studying in France for the last year, I just went abroad. Uh, so I've been to Rochester in the New York State. So you, did you go to RIT or University of Rochester? Or which? yeah, it was the RIT. Yeah. RIT. Okay. So, yeah. so what was that like for you as you know, not a young kid necessarily, but a young adult to go and study abroad for a year in the U.S. I'm assuming, had you had, had you traveled to the U.S. before that? Yeah, actually, my uh, my uncle uh, lives in the U.S., so I've been there a few times. Okay. Uh, and I've been to California before going to, uh, to Rochester. A little bit it different. It wasn't <laughs> all new for me. Yeah. Uh, I already experimented uh, the U.S. Uh, country. Uh, but it was uh, it was really a, a thrilling year, to be honest. It's a lot of different things compared to France. Uh, just the university itself is just so big compared to uh, to what I used to have in France. Uh, so many facilities, sport facilities, so many new stuff. Uh, a lot of new people also. I've met people from uh, basically all over the world. Yeah. And the main goal for me was to to practice my English, uh, especially speaking English or American. <laughs> and uh, I think I, uh, I achieved this, uh, these targets. Uh, it was uh, the best way I could find to, to actually practice my English. What was it, though, from, for you personally, though, that you had a desire to, to be fluent in English? Did you just feel that it would help you no matter what career you got into or whatever job you got into? Because it is, I, I don't want to say it is more of the, the business language around the world, but it certainly, I think, probably opens up more doors for you. Is that mainly the reason why? Yeah, I think it's just the way to go. Uh, yeah. If you do speak English nowadays, you can basically do anything you want mm -hmm. in any country of the world. You're always going to find someone who speaks English. Yeah. Uh, so it can be from a, a personal life point of view if you just travel abroad for pleasure. Uh, but it was mainly, yes, for, for work, obviously. And I think I did the right choice because when I joined Northern uh, I entered the R&D team here in Amboise. And we had uh, Eric Tyson. I think you met him during a, an Interface podcast as well. Yes, yes. Uh, so he's Dutch and didn't speak French at the time. And we had two other foreigners, uh, one Englishman, uh, one Indian. So basically all the exchanges and meetings were uh, actually in English. And I don't think I could have done as good uh, if I, uh, I didn't spend time in, uh, in the U.S. before. It's like the United Nations. Of, yeah, it's like the United Nations of RF engineers there. 
Kind of, yeah. Actually, RF is quite of a, a small world, so you can find people from all over the world. What did you learn um, when you came to the U.S.? How did that complete your program um, outside of the learning the English part? But just from a, an engineering standpoint, how did that, and what, what did that solidify in your mind as far as you know this choice of of industry? Actually, I guess that's how I came to go tennis because my engineering school in France, uh, my degree is just telecommunications. There's no really specific topic in there. Mm -hmm. we do a lot of stuff. We study a lot of different topics. Uh, it goes from informatics to uh, antennas and other stuff, electronics. Uh, but I went, when I went to uh, the RIT, I had to pick different different majors. Mm -hmm. uh, and almost as a, a random pick, uh, I ended up uh, choosing at least two antenna class, classes. Sorry, And I guess that just gave me the will uh, to pursue in this in this domain because I got interested in there. Uh, so I guess that's just how I came to, uh, to work on antennas because then it led me to my internship. Uh, just to finalize my studies, I had to do an internship. Mm -hmm. And based on the knowledge I learned in the RIT on antennas, I managed to, uh, to enter a company uh, working on antennas as well. Mm -hmm. And then when I uh, wanted to join Amphenol, I obviously spoke a lot about, about my last internship because that was my main uh, working experience right. as a, a really young engineer at that time. And I guess they were just really interested in my profile because of that, especially. So I guess it's almost because of me going to the U.S. at your IT and almost randomly picking antenna lessons uh, that I ended up where I am today. Before you went to college and got into engineering, had you had any previous experience or even interest in this field? Or you were just in a, a, a general engineering interest as a young kid? Now, to be honest, not especially in antennas. Uh, I, <laughs> I would have never imagined yeah. uh, maybe 10 years ago that I would end up doing what I do now. Yeah. So what did you want to do when you were younger? I mean, did you know you wanted to be an engineer or were you not sure and you just kind of fell into it? Uh, yeah. At the end of my high school, I, I've I always been sorry, interested in, uh, in science mm -hmm. uh, and stuff like this. And so I really wanted to go forward in these domains and try to learn and understand how some things that we use every day in the daily life mm -hmm. uh, yeah. do work. And that was the really start. And then I just choose telecommunications because for me, it's really a growing market. It's been growing for years and it's going to keep growing in the, yeah. in the next year also. Uh, so I had in mind at that time, considering I didn't really know what I wanted to do, that uh, there would always be work in this field. Sure. And I think that was right. And I hope that you're going to keep being right uh, yeah. for a long time. Yeah. yeah. I think you're pretty safe with job security. <laughs> yeah. So you just kind of naturally progressed into engineering because you had a naturally curious mind. You get into college. It's sort of, I don't want to say vague or ambiguous, but it was a broad field that you were in in telecommunications. And then you get narrowed into mm -hmm. antennas as you get to the U.S., and then you get to, how do you eventually get to Amphenol Antenna Solutions? I didn't really choose, to be honest. I just heard about a company that was close by. Because yeah. I'm uh, originally, I was born in a city that's uh, 20 minutes away from here. Okay. And where is, where are you located right now? Uh, so the name of the city is Amboise. That's quite small. It's yeah. in the center of France. Mm -hmm. uh, 
maybe some of the things that you could have heard of would be the Loire Valley with a lot of uh, old castles okay. from previous uh, French kings. That's uh, a nice place for tourism. You have a lot of sightseeing to do and, uh, yeah. and, and places to visit. Uh, so yeah, I was born close by. So I did my studies in different city in France, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I've, I kept some friends around. And a friend of mine told me that he heard about a company that was located in Amboise and they were doing antennas and that were looking for RF engineers. And he also added that they were struggling to find some because that's uh, not so common in France. Mm-hmm. And especially if you are in a small city like Amboise. So I went online on the website, I could find the, the work offer. And they were actually requesting something like maybe 10 years of experience uh, as an yeah. RF engineer, which yeah. was Totally not my case because I was just fresh, <laughs> fresh out of school. Um, but since my friend told me that they were struggling to find some, I said, "Okay, let's let's gamble." Uh, so I submitted my uh, my resume, uh, got interviewed, and they proposed me the position. Just to get to your your particular job now, I mean, what specifically do you focus on from a a product and technology standpoint at the location you're at? So we have two teams now in R&D here. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one that we call projects developments. So that's my team. Uh, it's the team I lead with, uh, with another uh, project manager. So we are two project managers uh, with a team of about 15 people. Okay. In these 15 people, you can find some RF engineers, uh, but also some CAD designers, uh, what we call NPI technician yeah. methods, and a few technicians for tests and prototypes assembly. And we basically today are working on improving the actual 4G, the current 4G antennas mm-hmm. uh, in order to allow our customers to increase the capacity of the 4G networks and also prepare the deployment of 5G. That's obviously a, a key point today in antennas and in telecommunications. I'm not myself working on active antennas uh, today. Mm-hmm. It's going to come. It's not, it's not the time yet. Uh, but we are providing some solutions to our customer to uh, improve their 4G networks at the moment and plan for the deplo- deployment of the 5G antennas. So we offer solutions of, let's say, embedded antennas. Uh, we have 4G in there and we allow them to uh, to plan for 5G implementation later. And then we have another team, uh, which is called Research and Innovation. So they work on, I would say, longer projects on the future, basically. Yeah. Uh, and they should provide my team with some building blocks, uh, new concepts, new ideas that then we will implement in our new products that will be uh, commercialized. Uh, so they do work extensively on the 5G at the moment, whereas we are in transition, I would say, between the 4G and the 5G now. What have you learned the most since you've been there, since you came right out of college, really in essence, although you had a, a, a job before that? You know, this is by far your longest employment and really only employment for all intents and purposes. But what have you learned and how have you grown personally since you've been in this role? I think we can split it in two because when I joined the company, I was just an RF engineer yeah. working in the, in the R&D team. Uh, now it's been two years that I've uh, moved up to the project manager position. Right. Uh, I think so in the first years where when I was an RF engineer, uh, main thing was you can develop an antenna that's the best one, has the highest performance, which is great. And you think it's the best of the world. Yeah. Uh, if it's too expensive and you can't build it, yeah. you're never going to sell it. Right. And that's 
can be fr frustrating at first uh, as an engineer to uh, have to make compromises because of the costs, uh, because of the performance, because of the size, because of weird requests from the customers sometimes. Sure. Um, I think that's one of the first things I learned uh, just as an Europe engineer. And now since I'm a project manager, it's, uh, it's a different approach. Uh, we deal with a team. I really like managing people. Uh, it's, it's, I think, one of the toughest things I've ever had to, to do. What do you like about it? It's really stimulating to try and uh, make the people you have underneath you, uh, being motivated, working hard to reach the goals that you fix, uh, finding the ways to, uh, even tricks, I would say, <laughs> uh, to get the motivation to, uh, to get them working hard and going beyond their limits. Uh, Sometimes right. they can come to you and say, I think I reached the maximum potential for this solution. We will never do better. And if you find the right words, maybe they can keep working on that. And in the end, you get a better solution that was originally, originally proposed. And I think that's, uh, yeah, one of the things I like the most. How quickly did you realize how much you liked it when you started to lead this, this team? I think actually I, I already thought about this before uh, having the, the project manager position. Yeah. Uh, I was maybe getting a bit frustrated by just being an earth engineer. And uh, sometimes uh, I think I wanted already to, to push some uh, ideas, push some decisions. But I just didn't have the... The, the, the right to do that because it was not my role at the time. You were ambitious, you were ready to go, but you just needed that validation in a sense to go, okay, here now, let, let me lead the team. Um, I have some really good ideas. If I can get these people to to follow me, I think we can really make a difference here. Kind of, yeah. I don't know if I was uh, really ambitious. It was. I don't think it was really will to, uh, to lead people or to push my ideas forwards, but I, I noticed that there were some things that for me weren't right or weren't working properly mm -hmm. and that could have been improved. But at that time, for different reasons, uh, there was no specific action launched on these uh, points and so on. And yeah, it was, it was frustrating, to be honest. Now I have, I have everything I, I want, so I can do anything I want actually to, uh, to make things right. And then it's a different story now. You realize that you can't always do whatever you want and uh, yeah. you can't do everything at the same time. Yeah. So now I guess I kind of understand the positions of my previous managers when at that time I was younger and frustrated by that. How much in your time that you've been uh, at Antenna Solutions have you worked with other Amphenol divisions, maybe not only within your group, but outside of the RF group. And has that collaboration with other divisions increased over time? Or has it been, you know, just kind of spotty at best? Outside of the Antenna Solutions group, I don't think I've done that much, mm -hmm. uh, to be honest. Yeah, I think mainly it was with the RF division, obviously, because we use components from, uh, from other uh, companies in this division of Amphenol. Mm -hmm. Uh, think about RF connectors, for example. Uh, I've also had the, the opportunity to go uh, to foreign sites of Antenna Solutions. I've been to Conover once in the US mm -hmm. uh, with the R&D team there working on antennas as well. So yeah. we have uh, a lot to share, to be honest, because we do same kind of thing just for different markets. Right. Um, but in my opinion, I think it's, uh, it's increasing uh, lately. Uh, I see that, I guess, partly because of 5G. Antennas are changing. Mm -hmm. uh, when you move from 4G antennas to 5G antennas, it's really not the same thing. You start to have electronic components inside embedded stuff. It's a smart antennas compared to 
the maintenance that we do today that yeah. are just passive and yeah. easy, I would say. Yeah. Uh, so now we need some some specific parts, uh, components, and different things that we didn't use to uh, to have in our old products. So I guess the cooperation between uh, between Antenna Antenna Solution and other companies or divisions from Antenna is just gonna keep increasing in the years to come. From my perspective, it's uh, due to 5G, and it's gonna be mainly because of the 5G antennas. How much do you, in your role, interact with customers? Originally, not at all, because we have a uh, so the sales team that's obviously mainly dealing with the customers. Then we have something called uh, technical support. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to do the link between the uh, R&D and the sales team. Mm-hmm. But as you may know, we're working on, I would say, complex products uh, that require some kind of expertise, uh, technical expertise. Mm-hmm. Since a year ago, uh, something like that, we started doing more and more uh, visits. So now me and my uh, other colleague, which is was a project manager as well. Yeah, starting to uh, to sometimes go along with the sales guy, uh, or with the technical support guys uh, to see the customers and actually discuss about the let's say the tough stuff, uh, really technical and uh, try to bring best view possible of our products yeah. from a technical standpoint. Basically, it depends on who you meet at the customer side as well. Sure, uh, but some guys there are sometimes sharp about te- technical stuff and I think we can bring things that the sales team is not really uh, able to put forward. Uh, so it's, uh, I would say, more and more common now, even though with the, the COVID situation, it's been uh, quiet for, uh, for a few months now. Yeah. Hopefully we'll uh, start again soon because that's, uh, for me, that's something I like a lot. Uh, okay. I'm still really new in there, so I need to learn yeah. uh, a lot of stuff, uh, how to uh, make things right when you go to a customer and bring the right uh, uh, benefits of your product ahead. Sure. Uh, and maybe don't say too much about the drawbacks. There are always some drawbacks. But yeah, at some point, if I can just push technical solutions that we offer to a customer, that's, uh, that's something I would love. When you do that, I mean, have you had an opportunity to say something to the effect of, you should choose Amphenol Antenna Solutions and here's why? And what would you typically say? Like why a customer should work with you? That's a really good question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think as an antenna supplier, we, we are really, really flexible compared to, uh, to some of our uh, competitors. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the end, here in Amboise, so we are providing antennas for mainly Europe, uh, Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the R&D center is in France, so it's close by. Uh, we manufacture the antennas, most of the antennas in Macedonia. Mm-hmm. But we also have a production site here in Amboise, and we are the only one doing that. Uh, all the others are mainly building the antennas in China, so really far away. Uh, so we have this possibility of being, uh, let's say, reactive, really, really reactive to uh, to specific customer requests. Yeah. Um, I think a good example is that during the the COVID and uh, the lockdown that was in France and several other countries, uh, our deliveries didn't stop. Right. We're still producing in Macedonia, and yeah. transportation between Eastern Europe and France was not that bad. So we managed to uh, to fulfill our uh, orders for the customers, and I think that's maybe one of the main points. Uh, we also don't hesitate when we have specific requests uh, of products that are mainly dedicated to one unique customer. Mm-hmm. He can show us that there is a need for him, and that the quantities will be there. We're not talking millions of antennas, but yeah. at least something that's uh, uh, valuable for us. Uh, we can engage uh, a development on our side, have an R&D team work on it, 
develop it and answer his requirements. And that might be a product that he will not be able to find anywhere else because we were the only one accepting to do this development. And finally, I think we maybe have some expertise in the what we call the radiation patterns. So that's basically where the energy of the antenna is going to be sent. Yeah. And that's something we work a lot, a lot on when we do uh, our developments. I don't want to brag, but I think compared to competition, we, we do have some nice performance. See, I put you on the spot here and you performed like a professional. Like you haven't had uh, any pause in this whole COVID thing here sitting in front of customers. It was, that was great. We'll just kind of shift gears here as, as we start to wrap up. I'm trying to get a better, you know, outside of work, maybe just a, a, a fun little feel for, for people as we talk to them um, over the last couple episodes. So I'll give you, a, I'll pose a scenario here for you. You're stuck on a desert island. All right. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. It could be wherever. You have one album you can have with you for the rest of time or any music or artist. What, what would that music, uh, or what would that artist be or album be that you could think of? And if you have to pick a couple, it's okay. Uh, all right. That's a tough question. Just one to pick. <laughs> or a couple. Uh, okay, ho- I'm going to go for uh, something that reminds me of my, uh, my high school years. Uh, actually, I still listen today. Uh, it's one album of uh, Cypress Hill. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you see? Yeah, I know Cypress Hill. And the Hill. name of the album is uh, Till Death Do Us. And I think that's uh, something I would listen to if I would be uh, stuck on a, a desert island. I guess give me some motivation and uh, help me to hang in there. It's a little West Coast hip hop. Yeah. Yeah. Something I like. I, I have no problem with that. Um, how about a book? Uh, then I guess it would be a French book. So I don't know if you know it. Uh, the writer is Albert Camus. And the name of the book is The Stranger. All right. So last question, and then I'll, I'll let you go. When you were living in Rochester for your year abroad, Approximately how many garbage plates did you eat while you were there? Uh, I think it's going to be easy. I think it was just two. Two? Okay. Do you want yeah. to explain to the people what a garbage plate is? To be honest, I don't really remember what's <laughs> exactly in there. Yeah, it's just because it's everything. Biggest, the biggest plate I've ever seen, I think, <laughs> uh, with a bunch of everything. Yeah. Uh, a lot of sauce, if I'm right. Yeah. And that's the thing you would eat after. Uh, Maybe a long night and a lot of drinking. That is very <laughs> accurate. The garbage plate is basically what uh, I think a base of hamburgers or hot dogs. They throw macaroni salad on top. I think some French fries or hash browns on top of that. Some raw onions, ketchup, mustard, and you basically just mash it all up with a fork and knife. Maybe a slice of bread, and you eat it at. Typically, you eat it between midnight and three a.m. Is that am I yeah, accurate there? Right. Yeah. <laughs> It is a local delicacy, I guess you could call it, of Rochester, the Rochester area. But, um, you know, for everyone, uh, you should try it at least once, at least once. So you did it twice. It's, and that's it's fair not enough. bad. It's not bad. You shouldn't uh, trust the name. That's right. Yes. The name <laughs> makes it sound horrible, but it is, uh, they do try to uh, make it at least somewhat fancy. So, well, Cyril, thank you very much for doing this today. I really appreciate you taking the time. I wish you and the team uh, at Antenna Solutions all the best here uh, to finish out the rest of the year and in the years to come. And and hopefully we get to meet face to face at some point soon here. Thank you, Chris. It was a pleasure. 